I guess let's roll like that. I think these dampen the sound a little bit, eh? Like it sounds yeah, a little it, less echoey. Little, uh, yeah. Welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by one of my good friends here at school, Angela Talley. Angela was born in Indiana. She considers home to be in New Mexico. Her family lives in Texas, and she lives in Idaho. So clearly there are some amazing stories in there. I'll encourage you to take the time after today's episode to listen to the people around you just for five minutes. I guarantee it'll make a difference in your life and in theirs. Angela Talley, welcome to my Wax Museum. Wow, thanks for having me, Alex. It's like so great in here. What a nice setup you have. Okay. <laughs> this is the best setup I've seen no, all week. God. And you're on a lot of podcasts. Yeah. You're you're a big deal. I am. Yeah, and we'll get into why you're a big deal. Um but let's start with how we know each other. Okay. So we met like a few months ago. You came to my apartment. And then talked to my brother for like three hours. Yeah. And then that was that. Yep, that was when I met you. Well, I met you at church. And then... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're you're living with some people I was friends with already. And then, you know, and then I was over there. And then your brother was a pretty chill dude. So we chatted. It was a a groovy time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's how we know each other from here in Rexburg at school. And, uh, And then... Where are you from, though? So, I moved here from Dallas, Texas. Right. My home, I say, is New Mexico. Okay. So, let's let's work our way through that, through uh, New Mexico, Dallas, and then Rexburg. So, let's start. Where were you born? I was born in Indiana. In Indiana. Okay. So, the, the plot thickens. Why were you born in Indiana other than like you, your mother being there when you happened to come forth? So my dad was born in Indiana and then it was just like a family area, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana and New Mexico have both been really huge in my family. We have a lot of family history from both areas and my dad just wanted to be near his parents at the time. Right. And then that's just yeah. So you're living there, and uh, did you did you grow up there at all? Like, or was it? I moved to New, Me- New Mexico when I was about four or five. Oh, okay. And so I started all of my school in New Mexico. Yeah. So you don't r- really remember Indiana that much. With family there, are they still there? And do you go back no. and visit? Um, we all moved away. Every once in a while, I go back and. Um, we just take trips every once in a while. My sister's grave is there, and so okay. we like to go back and visit. And Right, right. And so it's still a pretty important place to your family. Yes. And you said uh, your dad's from there, and so a lot, of, a lot of family history and family stories and stuff there. Correct. And so, so then uh, moving to New Mexico, what was... What was that like for you? Why did you move? So we moved because my dad just got work. He got a different, a higher position in the business he was in. Right. And it was in New Mexico. And so we moved down there. Um, 
and we first moved to Albuquerque. And I don't remember a whole lot from Albuquerque, but I know that it was really rough. I hadn't been going to school yet. I was still too young. My older brothers went to school, and they were bullied a whole lot because really? they were white kids, and New Mexico's New Mexico. Um, and there's a lot of ethnicities yeah. in New Mexico. And I just knew that like when we lived in the apartment in Albuquerque, it wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years, it's probably only two years we lived there, we moved to Las Lunas, which is an hour south of Albuquerque. And it's okay. a really small town. We lived a half an hour out of the town. And that's where I started kindergarten and up until eighth grade. Okay. And, uh, and so you're there from kindergarten to eighth grade. So those are some pretty formative years. And, uh, and, and what, what was your experience there like? And what was the town called again? Las Lunas. Las Lunas. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, so what was that like? What were, were the schools like? Was it a good experience, bad experience learning? What was it like? Mm-hmm. So actually, like a few days ago, me and you were talking about that. I was bullied a lot growing up, too. Right. Um, it was very, once again, it's New Mexico. There's a whole lot of ethnicities. Um, Las Lunas in particular was close to Isleta, which is an Indian Pueblo. And so we had a lot of the Native American Indian students or kids who came and were students in my school. Right. Um, and I actually was really close with them. They are a lot nicer than a lot of the other people who were there. Um, and I know like my best friends were Native American Indian and as we got older, they started to separate themselves from any other ethnicity than themselves because Mm. of just cultural backgrounds and stuff. I knew a lot of people who were older who had been kicked out of the Pueblo because they married someone who wasn't Indian and just things like that. And so as we got older, they started to close off into their own circle because Mm. they just didn't want to deal with um, tribe problems. Right, right. Um, And so for me, it was really hard because all my best friends were from the Pueblo. And I, up until that point, I wasn't really bullied. Um, It wasn't until after we, after about fourth grade, I'd say, um, I started becoming friends with a lot of the other people and cultures at my school with a lot of the Mexicans and a lot of um, other white people who were there. Right. And Mexicans would always just be like white trash and then white people would always be like Mexican trash and stuff, you know. And so there was a lot of contention and it was really, really hard for me because I was kind of sitting in the middle. Right. And I also like lived out in the middle of nowhere too. Right. Um, I lived 30 minutes away from town I mentioned earlier. And so I didn't have any neighbors. And so it was hard when I was not at school because I didn't have anyone to talk to, but it was hard when I was at school because I talked to everyone. Right. And so, so that, I mean, that's interesting that, um, that it was such a diverse place uh, and a different type of diversity than I've dealt with in my life too, uh, being from a completely different place. And, and so there, there was quite a bit of animosity between the different groups then and and you kind of found yourself because you were friends with the natives yes. and then you had kind of friends in a few different areas and you, then you eventually just kind of felt ostracized almost yeah. growing up and uh and so then yeah and then you go home and like how far away from town did you live it was a 30 minute drive drive 
Um, and on the bus, it was two hours. Oh, wow. So it was like you weren't seeing your buddies down the street or anything. Yeah. So did that did that help you be closer to your family? Or was there like a lot of fighting between you and your siblings? Both. Um, my family and I, we're... We like we're close, right? But we're also very separated. There was a lot of contentions that happened mm-hmm. when I was younger, um, just personal stuff, and that caused a little bit of contention within the entire family. Um, but we were really close. Like my my brother tells me, like I'm his best friend, hmm. and same was as my other brother. But on the flip side of that. We didn't talk a whole lot growing up. We all kind of did our own thing growing up. And it wasn't until recently, in the last three years, that we started getting really, really close. And Hmm. I think that's why our bonds are so strong now, um, instead of being very contentious now. Right, right. And uh, and because you kind of worked through your problems as kids and stuff. So you lived in Las Lunas until you were eight. Eighth grade. Eighth grade, right. Eighth grade. Twelve. So you're 12, 12 or 13, 12 or 13. And, uh, and then where did you go after that? And was that another job change? Yes. So during the 2008 crash, my dad lost his job and there's a lot of job opportunities in Dallas. Hmm. And so he's, he, well, my grandma and grandpa live in Wiley, Texas. Okay. And so he went out a few, for a few months looking for a job in Dallas, which is about 45 minutes away from Wiley. Okay. Um, and so he went out and stayed with them. And we just stayed at home trying to pack everything up because we knew, like, it's ine- inevitable that we're going to be moving. Right. And so we just started packing and cleaning, you know, trying to get ready to go. And then my dad finally got his job, found a job. And... We all packed up and moved, and it was a day before my 14th birthday, so I was 13 when we moved. Holy cow. Yeah. And so that was also kind of hard, because my birthday's in summer, and so I didn't have anyone. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but it wasn't too bad. I That was one of the best birthdays, because I got a lot of gifts that year from my grandma and grandpa. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we all moved in with my grandma and grandpa in Wiley, Texas, and I started my first year of high school, freshman year there and it was completely different there is a lot different backgrounds i guess you could say yeah right um i mean for once i was a minority right and that was a huge like culture shock for me right um and there is just other like cultures there and that's something that i really emphasize on is cultures um and so yeah it was really different moving right to dallas um it was just weird. Because were you in the city now? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like you're out of the city of what I assume is a pretty smallish place. Yeah. And, and then you're in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And so it's like I went and walked down in Dallas, Texas for the first time two years after we moved there. And because Wiley, Texas is like far away. Like you can see Dallas in the background and stuff. Right. But Wiley is kind of just more... Um, just everyone's dad's work in Dallas, basically. It's just a complex area. Right. Um, and so I went to downtown, and that was like the weirdest 
thing for me because you know all of a sudden I'm like looking up and there's buildings just going up and it was just bizarre yeah <laughs> yeah and so and and you were like 14 or 16 when you walked around Dallas Texas downtown like 16 probably. 16 and uh and so is that like your first experience like really being in the city or like being aware mm-hmm. of like the scale yeah of this yes because I like sorry I nope. had um a few years before that when I was 12 I actually went up to New York with my grandparents oh, okay and so I like had seen the Statue of Liberty I never went into downtown New York because my grandparents were like we're not driving in that yeah and so we just stayed out of it and so like from the distance you know that was my first time really I guess experiencing a big city but I never like went there right and so Dallas really was the first time that I walked around and like saw all these shops and people and everyone was walking which was bizarre for me because you know in a small town everyone drives everywhere because places are 45 minutes away from you right (laughs) man that would be such a change did you like it though did did you like the change it was needed i'd say because i had lived in the same house for almost 12 years Mm -hmm. and we lived in a trailer in los lunas and so it was a well-needed change, I'd say. Because um, there are some things that you just don't know or you don't realize or movies can't explain. Right. And sometimes you just have to experience it for yourselves. And so so as much needed, gave you some new experiences. And, uh, and do you have, uh, say you're grown up now, which, I mean, you... You are grown up, I guess, but say say you're done school, yeah, and you have your pick. Where do you where do you move the the small town outside of town, or the big city? Where what would be your ideal house? So I've actually been putting a lot of thought into that recently, because I actually had that question asked the other day by mm. one of my other friends, and my honest answer is I have no idea. Yeah, I. I love the country. I mean, that, I'm a country girl. That's where I'm from, you know. But on the flip side of that, it's so amazing to experience. Um, and so I just like traveling, I guess. And that's probably... I'm probably going to live in the country and mm-hmm. be able to travel everywhere, I'd say. Right. And, uh, and, and so you kind of... Like, what is it about that country lifestyle that you like so new mexico is a desert mm-hmm. and so you know country in new mexico is a lot different than country in washington or you know right somewhere else um and i don't know like i grew up going outside in my backyard and shooting my gun and shooting a bow and arrow or going out in snake hunting or lizard hunting and just things like that, you know, um, just experiences that as a child I appreciated, hmm. and I I just I feel like that's something I want to give to my kids is the opportunity to be able to do some of those things. Right, right, and of course, I mean, I lived in the city. I never went <laughs> snake hunting, you know. I also couldn't shoot guns in my backyard, <laughs> and uh, and and so do you feel like? Do you feel like that was an integral part of you grow, growing up and, uh, and 
how did that affect you now? So the country is integral to my character, to my personality, I'd say. But it also does have its drawbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, me now, I'm very antisocial. And I'm trying to get out of that bubble. And so I'm trying to talk to more people. Um, but, you know, living on your own for so long, it's, it's habit. It becomes habit. And you just want to continue living your life. You want to continue feeding your chickens or your ducks or whatever animal you have. And you just want to stick to that habit. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I do appreciate about city life, I'd say, is you don't get into those kinds of habits. Because when you live on the country, you have requirements. Because if you don't go out and feed the chickens, the chickens will never get fed and they might die. Right. And so it's a responsibility that I feel like in the city you don't deal with. Right. That's interesting. So would you consider yourself a responsible person? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. And other than having to feed chickens or whatever it is you country folk do, <laughs> um, other than that, what what has it been that has molded you into a responsible person? Well, you know, mentioning like animals that keeps you on a schedule. Um And so, I don't know, I feel like growing up, referring back to that very personal thing that had happened, it very became in my heart that I had to stick to who I am, Mm -hmm. and I have to, if I say I'm going to do something, I have to do it, and I cannot lie. Right. And being honest with everyone I meet is something that I learned from that experience. And I'd say that's probably the main reason why I consider myself a responsible person other than taking care of animals. Right. Um, And that's just something that I choose not to talk about. No, that's good. I uh, I think it's important to draw lessons from moments in our lives. And, uh, and then going forward, uh, you came to Rexburg from Dallas, Texas. Why did you come to Rexburg from Dallas, Texas? Why does anyone come to Rexburg? <laughs> True. <laughs> I So I graduated high school in mm-hmm. June 2018. Okay. Pretty so fresh just, out. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had applied to BYU-Idaho a few months earlier, mostly because my mom made me. But she always said, you know, get get it in, get the paperwork in, so that way you actually have the choice of going or not. Right. And so that's why I did the paperwork, because I was like, okay, if nothing else happens, then this is what I'm going to do. And I was accepted for winter-spring, which winter starts in January, and then spring ends in July. And so I would be up here for January to July. And I remember just like in June thinking about all my options that I could do. My theater director always told me that if you want to take time off of school to travel before you go back to school for college, do it because you're never going to gain that time back. And she said, even if you just take only a year off to go travel, do it. And so 
at that time, I was really debating whether I needed to travel, find a new theater to join, um, what job I should take, where at school, what school. And it was just really an interesting time in my life because that was the first time in my life where I had to make an adult choice. And I didn't have my mom, you know, egging me on for something. Right. Because it was my choice. You know, it's my life. It's my choice. Yeah. And it was the most weird thing, I'd say, that has ever happened to me was realizing that my parents don't have this say in what I choose to do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of... became really lazy, I'd say, hmm. because I was like, I just need to put off this decision. Right. It doesn't matter right now. Right now, I just need to focus, I guess, on getting a job because at that time, I didn't have, like, any money because I'd never had a job before. Really? I never had time. Um, and so I told my dad, you know what? I just want to get a job. And I ended up working in his warehouse because he's um, a boss dude and he manages um, transportation. Okay. And so I ended up working in the warehouse and I was sorting through phones mm-hmm. and just putting things in different boxes and stuff. And when I started, it was during a heat wave in Dallas mm. and it was about 130 degrees, something crazy like that. And in a warehouse, that's just like a metal tin that does not feel nice at mm-hmm. all. No AC, no nothing. No AC? <laughs> nope. No AC in a building in <laughs> Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Count me out. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just intense. And I remember I came home that first day and it was about nine hours. And I came home that first day and I was like, dad, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, you're the one who said that you wanted a job. And I was like, that's just true. And so after that day, I just started looking and looking for any place that would take me that wasn't the warehouse. And every single day I was working at the warehouse as well. Um, And so it was just like in the evenings I would look. And so I ended up working at the warehouse for a little over two weeks. And then I started working at a bakery Mm. in Wiley, which was 15 minutes away from where I lived, which was amazing and had AC. So that was like... Very nice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I just became like customer service at the bakery. Yeah. And, you know, just welcomed people in and greeted them. But... The bakery was a great environment, but I soon realized that I just didn't enjoy life at that time because hmm. I was just vegetating. I wasn't learning anything new. I was just going to work and coming home. And so I prayed about it because I didn't really have anything else to do. And I had tried everything else that I could think of to possibly make a decision for me. And so I told myself, I'll just let the Lord decide or the Lord tell me what direction I should take. And that's how I ended up agreeing that January I was going to come to school in Rexburg. Hmm. That was a long story for... <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, that's the thing is that those important decisions, they have a lot leading up to it, right? It, it's not just a, I'm going to do this. It's, okay, but how did I get there, right? And... uh I think that's a really interesting interesting story that you kind of weren't sure and it kind of took a while and eventually, I mean, 
hopefully you made the right decision. <laughs> seems, I mean, it seems like it. You seem happy here. And, uh, and, and so then you decided to start in January. Was it, was it a decision you felt happy about immediately or did it take some time? I like traveling. Mm-hmm. I said this a few times. And so my immediate thought was, I'm going to travel somewhere I've never been in my life. And so instantly I was happy. But then I remembered that it was going to be my life. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a student again. I'm going to start studying hard. And, you know, I've only been, like, I was only out of school for six months before I came. Right. But it just... It's different once you graduate high school, I'd mm-hmm. say. Everything is just a lot different because it's like I'm on my own. I'm an adult. I have a job, so that way I can feed myself. Mm-hmm. And it's just completely different. Um, and that's stuff that I never had to like deal with before. You know, I'd come home from school. My mom would have dinner ready, and that was that, you know? Hmm. And so it was kind of scary once the instant thought of traveling died down. Right. Because I was thinking I'm going to be 1,300 miles from Dallas, 1,300 miles from my family, and I'm going to be, like, the only one out here. Right. Soon later to find out that my brother moved here, but that's something that happened that he decided on, but it's been a blessing to have him out here. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean... I know when I when I met you, you were with your brother, and you two seemed pretty close. Um, how did you develop that closeness to each other? So Malachi, that's the brother that you met. Yeah. He and I have always been closer, I'd say, than anyone else in our family. Yes, we all have had our own separations. He is the oldest brother, and I'm the baby sister. Mm. And we have middle child Greg. And Greg and I would always get in fights, but Malachi would always come to my defense because I was the baby and I was the only girl. And so I'd say, like, we've always been closer than I feel like anyone else in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, like, all three of us are really close. And, like, if I talk to Malachi, it's usually through a group chat with me and Greg and Malachi. So right. it's like we're all very open with each other now but growing up Malachi and I had always been close Hmm. and so yeah I I mean I have younger sisters so I kind of get the big brother baby sister dynamic and uh and so I mean that's really nice that you can still be close in proximity uh, despite being you know thousands of miles away from home right and uh and and so up here in Rexburg you're studying because most people don't come here to not study. And and what are you studying? So my major is international studies. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned earlier, culture is very huge. And that kind of was what made my decision for international studies. Um, it was strange. I changed my major like a month before I came out mm-hmm. here to Rexburg. It originally was theater. I am trained as a sound master. Really? I have microphones and stuff at home. Um, and I also was trained trained as a stage manager. And right. I know how to train actors. Huh. And so 
that was just stuff for me that I was like, that's my major, like, that's what I do. And a month before I came out to Rexburg, just out of the blue, I was like, I'm going to change to international studies. And so went online and changed my major. I mean, that seems, that seems pretty different to go from theater to international studies. I mean, both very cool. And especially theater, you obviously have some background in, uh, which is neat to be able to go into a program like that. But before you even got here, you changed your major. Why? So everything just felt weird Hmm. the months leading up to leaving to Rexburg. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel sad. I just kind of was in the middle. And... I decided, all right, I guess I need to discover what's going on. And at that point in time, I was learning a lot about China and Japan. And I realized, like, I liked that. And sometimes I was putting aside my theater work to do research on other countries. Really? Yeah. And that's when I, like, like I said, like, one day I was like, I'm changing to international studies. That's basically like what happened mm-hmm. um is i was just doing research on other countries and stuff and i realized maybe theater isn't my passion right and it's been really different being really? here and going to school and not being in a theater program yeah yeah um i took the intro to stage management class and i ended up dropping it because i was in 16 credits my first semester and I had to drop something and I was like I really want international studies with my major and minoring in theater but right now I cannot Mm -hmm. it's just too much and so I dropped my theater class um and I just wasn't involved in theater and I went and I saw a few of the shows last semester um, that the school put on, and it was really fun, and I enjoyed it. But I could tell that there is kind of a difference in the way I viewed it than what I had a few months earlier. So there, it just kind of, it felt different to you. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't quite feel like that was going to be your, you know, educational home. Right. Right. And so what kind of what kind of classes do you take in international studies right now then? <laughs> so right now I am in a Mandarin class and it's my second semester taking Mandarin uh, Mandarin Chinese. And I dropped my China class and it was going to be research on China. I dropped it because once again I was in 16 credits and right. I just I don't know why I keep signing up for 16 because clearly I'm, I've dropped it before, but right. <laughs> I did anyways. Um, and so I went to my first class and that's something I advise for everyone who's thinking about dropping classes. Like you have an entire week to visit the class. Mm-hmm. And so that first week is when you need to decide to drop or not. And so if you go in to that class and it doesn't feel right, then maybe that's a class you should drop. Right. And so I always give myself that week, the first week, to just Hmm. debate. And I guess that's why I sign up for more credits than I need. Right. Um, But yeah, I ended up dropping my China class, but I'm probably going to take that the next semester that I'm here. Right. 
Um, but basically, like in inter- international studies, like last semester, I took intro to international studies. And we just talked about countries all over the world, Europe and Asia. Um, and we just talked about their government and the people there and how the government reflects the people or vice versa. And how a possible cultural background can inf- um, influence the government. Hmm. And we talked about different job opportunities, like different ambassadors or this jobs in international studies. Hmm. And um, yeah. And so, so looking at those jobs, did any of them pique your interest? Not really. No? <laughs> and I'd say that's probably the one thing that I've been confused on hmm. since I randomly decided to switch to international studies was, you know, my first semester, I was like, you know what? Like, this was just like a whim and I changed. So this semester, I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, it doesn't work like that, you know. And my first semester, I did not figure anything out. And right now I'm on my second semester. It's only week two. And so it's, I, right now I just, I don't know. I was telling people last semester, my plan was, you know, majoring in international, minoring in theater. Hmm. And that I wanted to do theater in China or a foreign country. Um, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, the theater, I mean... One thing that I was always told by my director was you never get an opportunity to have a show with the same people again. And I knew that. I mean, all of us know that. Once you start on a show in theater, you know, you get really close with those people and they're your family. But once the show is over, you always have that week of like, this is really depressing. Like, my family is broken now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might do a show with John again or not. And it just depends, but you never have the same cast and you never have the same crew again. And so, you know, coming here, I knew that no one from my theater was going to be there, obviously. And so that was something that I, I thought about a lot was, was it because of the people or was it because I don't want to pursue that anymore? Hmm. And so that's something that I've been debating. Still not sure though. Not sure. I mean, there's lots of time left. Yeah. See how it goes. So international studies, you take a lot of, you're taking a lot of Mandarin, Mm -hmm. Chinese stuff. What else, what else is included? Like you get to take languages. Do you, Mm -hmm. do you only get a certain amount of language credits that you have to take or can take? How does all that work? So you have to have, I believe 18 credits. Of language. Okay. Um, and you, there are different um, embassies, I guess you could say, where you can find like different Asia or Europe. Um, and basically like you can choose which branch you want to go into. Oh, and obviously okay. I chose Asia. And that's right. why I'm focusing so much on China because China is one of the, you know, it's the biggest Asian country. And right, yeah. <laughs> um, and our school currently doesn't offer any other languages other than Chinese for Asia. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, you can take um, Chinese, you can take Spanish, French. Um, you can, just, if you choose a focus. Right. Um, if you choose like South America, then you'd focus on Spanish or, you know, 
just whatever location that you choose to focus on. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, because international studies, it's like, <laughs> okay, so you're learning about everything on the planet, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and and so that's that's cool that they, you know, say pick, pick an area, mm-hmm. right? It's like map of the world. <laughs> pick. <laughs> yeah, choose something yeah. and uh, we'll work with it, you know? So that, that opens up some really cool opportunities. Mm-hmm. And you've considered doing theater abroad, which would be, I mean, <laughs> wild. Yeah. Uh, what, what other sorts of things do you kind of look at with a bit of curiosity in that sphere? So I mentioned ambassadors earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be so crazy like to either work as an ambassador or in an embassy like, that would just be intense. Like, can you imagine, like, saying, like, I'm the ambassador of Colgate for China. Like, that would be <laughs> intense. Like <laughs> That would be crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a bunch of di- different ambassador jobs, different embassy jobs, right. a lot of FBI jobs and CIA oh. jobs. Yeah. Um, and there's just, like, a lot of opportunities for government work in hmm. general. And that's basically, like all we focused on in my intro to international studies was different government works. I personally, if I work abroad, like I said, I want to do theater. I'm also huge into service. And so if I work abroad, I want to be able to be helping the people I'm with Hmm. or around to improve their lives, I guess. That's awesome. Uh, It's interesting that you say you'd like to be helping the people you're with because that's basically how every episode of this podcast kind of gets to that's where that's where it always goes is I'll ask a question and that they'll always you know around the 40 minute mark that we're at they'll always say I want to help people you know <laughs> like I want to I want to be you know, make the world a better place because I was here kind of thing. And so kind of leading into a wrap-up here. At the end of your life, you've helped people, you've done theater, you've gone to China, you've you've maybe had all sorts of wild experiences, right? You've got a long life ahead of you, right? Open to countless opportunities, at the end, looking back, what is the biggest number one way that you have helped people? And this is at the end of your life. So I've mentioned this a few times, and this is going to sound really crazy for a minute about how to help people, but I have always wanted to work with exotic animals now you might be wondering like how does that help someone Mm -hmm. animals like are going extinct because people don't know how to take care of the environment and so for me my biggest success would be able to go to different places and teach about the environment and teach people how to take care of their environment so that way animals don't suffer from lack of nutrients Hmm. that were provided but aren't anymore hmm. that's awesome <laughs> that, i mean that's that's one i haven't had uh 
had on here before and that's one I didn't necessarily expect <laughs> after all this talk about international studies and theater uh, you talking about the environment uh, I mean clearly being a quote country girl you know uh, that's obviously something that you must be interested in uh, so I guess last question to kind of end it on an interesting note what is your favorite exotic animal cheetah tuna cheetah oh <laughs> tuna i mean tuna's actually they look pretty canned meat did you know just kidding i know i know it's a fish Don't i was worry. like uh... are, are they pretty i've never seen have you seen one in real life no no unfortunately well i mean the ocean's only what 12 hours away from here maybe more let's go let's take a weekend trip to the ocean <laughs> Uh, okay, so cheetah. Mm-hmm. Tell me why, and then we'll wrap up. I stole it from my brother. Oh. <laughs> That's why it's your favorite? No, so I guess penguins are my favorite. Like, this is before I even, like, can remember. Right. So I guess penguins were my favorite animal. And my biggest, my oldest brother, Malachi, he had a stuffed animal, and it was a cheetah. And he went around with it everywhere. And he was like, cheetah, cheetah, my, my favorite animal. It's the fastest animal. He's a runner, by the way. Mm. So he loves fast. And I guess one day I just took it, the stuffed animal, and I started doing that, just copying him. And it started like a huge fight, I guess, when we were little kids. And then it ended with me keeping the stuffed animal. And I even have it here with me at school. And it's one of my most favorite stuffed animals. And it's a cheetah. And ever since then, I guess it's been my favorite animal. <laughs> That's awesome. I love <laughs> I love that there's that good story behind what's your favorite animal. Well, thank you for coming on my Wax Museum. Uh, thanks for being a guest. And thanks for being my friend, too. Thank you for letting me come on. And thank you for listening. Not just to this podcast, but to the people around you. It's an amazing opportunity I have to have this excuse to sit down and listen to other people's origin stories, as it were. It's amazing to hear from these people what they care about, what they love, and how they chose their favorite animal. It's a blessing, and I cherish it. And I encourage you to find different ways and different times where you can listen to the different people in your life, the people who have these amazing stories that you never would have guessed. Remember, take five minutes today to listen to the people around you. I promise it'll make a difference in your life and in theirs. Part of the Little Gray Boy Podcast Network. Listen to other shows on the network, like Budget Arcade. Hey Jeff, do you like video games? Yeah! Hey Cody, do you like free? I guess. That's what I like to hear. Come on down to Budget Arcade. We got games galore. We got red games. We got blue games. We got battle royale games. We got RPG games. We got games coming out of our butt, and they're all free. Hey, how much? I said free. Who is this guy yelling in the middle of the street?
I don't know. Join Scott, Jeff, and Cody each week as we help you navigate through the realm of free-to-play games. Budget Arcade is not responsible for money lost on microtransactions. All loot box purchases are final. Get Budget Arcade wherever you download your podcast from. Now, who's this guy? I don't know. He just he keeps yelling. I'm not really sure. Thank you.